0: Welcome to the Sunday evening service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Well, I'm sure you know a little bit about the story of of Ruth and Boaz. Do you know that Although many pictures depict them the same age or roughly the same age, it's possible that he was a bit older than she, even perhaps Naomi's generation. And so there was probably a little bit of an age disparity. But let's look at this romance uh, in the barley patch or from the barley field. Of course, the story is set in the around the hills of Judea there, or Judah, where uh, this, uh, these, this couple, Boaz and Ruth, uh, come to find that God's hand is graciously leading them together. Robin mentioned that I was a little bit of socially awkward. You know that the Bible really doesn't uh, really give us any real insight onto dating. That's kind of an American anomaly, uh, not just American, but if you were to grow up in the Bible times, especially during the time of the judges, you would have very little to say about who you would marry, very little. Very little. In fact, most of the time, the arrangements were made between the parents. The parents would meet probably in the bride-to-be's house. A price would be determined, and uh, the, uh, the dads would basically shake on it. The girl to be married had very little, if anything, to say. And so, first of all, came marriage, and then you learned to love the one that your parents picked for you. Now, there are some benefits, I think, to having your parents involved in the process, but I am kind of glad that that's uh, kind of been adjusted a bit. And today, at least in our culture and custom, it is the young people that are charged with the, uh, the duty to pray prayerfully, consider the character. Really, that's what it is before marriage. That sense of building romances should be at least a, a process of character assessment. And it shouldn't be embarked upon too early in life. It is when there is, as a, 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 a Brother Ron was, a certain maturity ought to be present in age uh, for this to really work out well but let's just remind ourselves of the details of this wonderful love story in the old testament the time of judges was a time of failure leadership male leadership in the area was scarce and yet god through these uh, circumstances brings together the two people and the theme of this book is really god's god's said his kindness and his love towards those who are outside perhaps of the of of the traditional family of Jews. God loves the world. God loves everyone. And so this is a picture of the kinsman redeemer who redeems Ruth, who is a Moabitess woman. Let's read a few verses together and glean some principles that would help both men and women as we develop true character that builds love in our marriages and in relationships. I've shared these thoughts before with People that are considering who to marry and how to be the right person to attract the right person. But verse 1 of chapter 1 says, it came to pass when the judges ruled this period of failure, morally really, and spiritually, that there was a famine in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came to the country of Moab. We'll not discuss whether that was a wise move or not. It does seem with the hindsight that it was not all that pr- uh, prudent. Says so they continued there, about 10 years, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died during that time, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took of them wives of the women of Moab, which was prohibited. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there. As I mentioned, about 10 years. And then, Melon and Chilon, whose names mean sick and pining, (laughs) died. You wonder sometimes about why they named children the way they did back in the day. They died, also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. And so, the only really recourse they had was to plan a trip back to the homeland, at least Naomi did, where there would be some help among the relatives, she now being destitute and widowed, and her two daughters-in-law as well. And then she says, verse 6, she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she heard there in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people, giving them bread, where the famine was stayed. Wherefore she went forth Out of the place she was with her two daughters, in-law with her, and they went to return to the land of Judah. Of course, she, as you know the story, told the girls, you might as well stay here. Um, You don't have to come with me. And we love that story often used in weddings, at least that verse uh, uh, used in weddings uh, there in verse 16. And it says, Ruth said, 'Don't, don't, don't ask me or entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee, for whither.'" Thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly my loyal to go with her. Then she left speaking unto her. I grew up in a home where, uh, I don't know if it's just tradition or what, we didn't speak much about my parents, didn't, and no fault to them. They, they didn't really spend a lot of time prepping me uh, before I went to college about who I should uh, marry and even thoughts about uh, developing a list of those things that might be important in a future spouse, a future wife. And I, I don't think it was just a common practice anywhere among the Mennonites In the community where I grew up, we just, we didn't talk about that. We just kind of, and I don't think it's right. I think a parent really ought to be involved in the process to a point where at least there's some advice. And I know kids aren't great about asking for advice about that. We're just, they're just not. And uh, my mother, uh, in fact, was a little bit worried about me. And I've shared this story. I, I love to share it around Valentine's Day about my, really my first and only date in high school. So socially awkward was I. Robin could attest to that when I got to college. That, follow, that trait followed me. But uh, my mother really wanted me to have at least one date in high school. So at the junior-senior event, banquet, uh, she said, uh, I was a senior. She said, now, Lauren, you really ought to at least, you, for your own good, you ought to have a date before you graduate. And so um, I said, well, Mom, if I have to. And so uh, she said, you, you pick the girl. But I'll help you. I'll be your coach. I'll be your romance coach. And so I said, "Okay." I was very timid about this, but here I was, thick bottle, coke, coke bottle glasses, and so she bought me a suit. I remember it was a three-piece suit, and it was uh, I had it was mustard-colored, bell-bottom, and uh, she was excited about that. And I won't tell. You, I was well, I was in the '70s, so that was the thing. And uh, she, uh, she kind of fixed my hair, and got me ready to go. And she, she said, she, I approve of this girl. She was a, a preacher's daughter. And so I, I, she said, that's okay. And then we were supposed to meet at the event, the gymnasium there at the Christian high school where I attended. And she noticed that I was getting ready to leave. And she said, oh, wait a minute. She says, you need flowers. Because and I said, wait a minute. I, I, don't, I don't need flowers. She said, no, dummy. I mean, she didn't call me that. She said, son, it's for the girl. She needs some, I said, why does she need flowers? That was beyond me. And she says, well, just take it for me. Girls need flowers. And so I said, okay. And she, in fact, she ordered the right bouquet for me to to take. And so I arrived. I remember this. A bunch of farm boys were there, gathering there because we were supposed to meet the girls um, at the gymnasium. So we arrived and And uh, my two best friends, Paul and Lowell, are standing there already waiting for their dates. And both of these guys have no flowers. So I walk in there. I says, what's the deal, guys? And uh, they said, what do you mean, what's the deal? And they looked at me like, why are you carrying flowers? I said, this is for my date. And they said, why? I said, you dummies. (laughs) You idiots. (laughs) Like I was some professional. Uh, Girls need flowers. And so I remember this clearly this day because this is exactly what happened. As I recall, they both just, they got spooked. Like, uh-oh, I've got 15 minutes, so I've got to do something because girls need flowers. And so Paul, uh, Lowell runs out, first of all, and he gathers as many dandelions as he can in the front yard of our Christian school, and he ties them with some kind of ribbon or string that he had in his pocket. And he's got this dandelion bouquet. And then Paul, being a little bit sharper, Paul went to a nearby cemetery. There's a church. And he 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 robs a grave. Uh, faded plastic flowers. And uh, he comes running back in with a good smile on his face. And there's this little tag. I can't remember. A little tag on the donated loving memory of Edwin Yance, you know. <laughs> and so there that was really... Uh, that was my first social engagement, and, uh, and it, it did get better from there. Thankfully, my uh, sweet uh, wife-to-be, Robin, had, um, had some class about her and just kind of led me along as we dated four years through college. I kind of picked up the speed a little bit. But we find here in the book of Ruth some wonder, wonderful qualities that ought to be the basis of true romance. And often, and we find this in counseling, that uh, people that come back for counseling often are those that started on the wrong foot. And they said, I thought the thing that was most attractive, and a lot of times it was a more of a physical quality, I thought that was the greatest thing. But then I realized what, was so, what I thought was so attractive becomes something later in life that I didn't really know them. I didn't really know that they would be like this. And so there's tears that come because there's not been wise steps in planning. Um, And so it's it's a wonderful thing to see the the qualities that were existent in the life of, of Ruth and in the life of Boaz. It is really grounds for a great marriage. We see that in their character. I'm just going to pick out a couple, three things, both in the life of Boaz and the life of Ruth that I think will help us whether we are in the process of looking or in the process of being the proper spouse. Um, let me just share the first thing. It's really about Ruth. When finally they get, after 10 years, of course, in Moab, Ruth comes with her mother-in-law, Naomi, who is at this time fairly bitter at the Lord. They come back and Naomi settles again in the land where she had been of her nativity. And of course, being widows, they need uh, something to sustain them. And so uh, Ruth begins to look for places where, according to biblical custom, uh, every landowner there had to leave a little bit of grain for the widows and the needy in the corners of the field. And so Ruth is off shopping for some field or landowner that will be gracious. And she being an outsider is doubly cursed in that not only is she poor and a widow, she is uh, from Moab. And people in that community knew exactly who she was and her background and how she got there. And so she was ostracized in many ways, but she began to look and uh, look for Um, for some place to even find a little bit. of It's April, the barley harvest is kicking in, and God providentially leads her to the field of this man by the name of Boaz. Well, let's read chapter 2 and a few verses. Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Well, she, uh, by God's grace, finds his field, and she begins to work there. And I'm going to start with, of course, uh, the ladies here and just a couple qualities that would be, a, be, be great for, for uh, the ladies to kind of pick up on. And then, men, I'm going to speak to you guys, all of us, a little bit too. But we see that they, they have a meeting finally. He notices the workers in his field. And we get to about verse uh, let's go on to verse 10, and she meets him. Of course, they have this face-to-face, and she falls on her face and bows, bows, to her, bows herself to him and asks the question that is so important, uh, and I tell young men this especially, and she asks a question that I think every uh, young lady ought to ask of the man that uh, she thinks she's interested in or She has found that they are interested in her. And she asked this question, verse 10. You see it there? Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Amazing, isn't it? She's actually asking, Boaz, you're the owner of this place, so you're here and you're starting to notice me, so what is it? That made you stop your combine and take notice of me? And well, he's going to answer that question and he's not going to say, well, I think you are beautiful. I think you're a knockout. In fact, we're never told in this whole book how pretty, how beautiful Ruth is. Never one time. But he has a very mature response. In verse 11, he answered and said unto her, it hath been fully shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and mother, the land of thine nativity, and have come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. In other words, he's been doing a little bit of homework, and he is impressed with the loyalty that this girl has shown towards Naomi. And not only towards Naomi in sticking with her, leaving her own homeland, following Naomi to the area of Bethlehem. And, and not only is he impressed with that, but he, she, he knows that she has really adopted in her heart the, the God that Naomi serves. So she's loyal to Naomi, and she's loyal to Naomi's God, and this is the thing that is so impressive to Boaz. He says, I've, I've noticed, I've heard I've researched. I know your story. And what is so impressive to me, young lady, is your love for God and your loyalty to come across the border and live in a new land as a stranger and love our God. That's the primary thing that was so impressive. And see, uh, he, he he says, I appreciate your attractiveness to me is based on your loyalty to God. So I would say this, if if you're creating a list of character, you're not married here tonight and you're still looking for that person, I would say put that high on the list. Uh, number one, we are to look for, man, especially look for, for a young lady that's loyal to God, that loves God, that, that is evidenced in her heart and life. If all she can do is criticize her parents and criticize um, her church leaders and and All she can do is have this bad attitude about authority, run. But if she has a heart loyal to God, loyal to her parents, it's a precious thing. Well, let's look at one of the characteristics that Boaz had, chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there's a romance building and it's based on character. You see it there, chapter 2, verse 1, and I don't know... Uh, that, uh, well, let's read the verse. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth. The Bible tells us that word in the Hebrew has, a, has a, a latitude of meaning that is not fully expressed in the King James. A mighty man of wealth, the word really is Gibor. It means mighty in character, excellent, valiant, honorable, worthy, strong, of great integrity. <laughs> so, yes, he was probably wealthy. I love the story about the newly married groom who said, I sure wish you could make bread like my mother, to which she which he excuse me, she replied, Yeah, if only you could make dough like my dad. We do we do know that was bad. We do know that he had ground and that he had workers, and he was probably wealthy, but the that Little phrase, right? A mighty man of wealth does not comprehend the true character of Boaz. This man had, an, had a maturity, as mentioned earlier, had a integrity and a love uh, for things, doing things the right way, that was so impressive to Ruth. It's a mighty man of character, strong in character, and he had it right. He knew. What he wanted in a wife, excuse me, he knew what he wanted in life before he knew what he was looking for in a wife. He had already a sense of purpose. He was keyed in to what God wanted him to be. He wasn't just, often in, in a college setting, I will share this with men, and I will ask them the question, I know that you have, as freshmen, right, four years to find that wife, and then it's it's over with, right? Life is over. (laughs) And some of you, I will tell them this, are running in circles, worried like you have four minutes or four years, and it's over with. And so you're in this crazy hunt for your spouse. And I said, you know what? If you just put your eyes and set your eyes on what God wants for you, God will take care of that. Know what you want in life. Yes, it's important you know what you want in a wife, but know what you want in life. Do you know? Are you aware? I love the fact that uh, this man had great wealth of character. What is your purpose in life? Joshua, can you see his great ma- mantra? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. David, for this one thing I would desired of the Lord. Paul, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which were, I press toward the mark. We talked about that this morning. I press for the mark of the prize, the high calling, the in, incorruptible crown. Yes, uh, dear lady, if, if and, and the person that we might be considering, if you are committed as I am to that eternal incorruptible crown, come along. Let's walk together and see if this thing works out. But if you're going in a a diametrically opposed direction to me. Let's not even start down this road. We can be friends. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And and what I like about this is this is a a man that has this sort of character. Uh, so often we, we we find spiritually weak men connected to spiritually strong ladies. And Really, the Bible pattern for godliness is to be driven by the heart of the man. Not that the, a lady certainly can't have that heart for God, she ought to. But uh, Paul, Jesus, David, Joshua, all these men had great spiritual character. Then there, there are men who are not only spiritually uh, stable and mature. A second characteristic is to be men who are provide security. I want to go to chapter 2, and I, I really want to pose this question to the ladies here tonight. We're talking about building romance, keeping romance alive, and, and men, <laughs> we're going to pick up, but we pick up on this later than the girls do, and see if you can follow this. And ladies, you 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 tell me what Boaz does that really builds a sense of, this might be the guy for me, all right, as we read these verses, beginning Chapter 2, verse 8. They meet, um, and she is excited to work under his administration, his fields. And Boaz, verse 8, says to Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter, again an indication that she may be younger than he, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence. But abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be upon the field that they do reap, and go after them. The other ladies that are also... Uh, serving or are picking up grain in the field? Have not I charged the young men that they do not touch thee? And when there are to thirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Again, the question came: Why? Why are you saying this? Well, he says it's it's been shown me all the all the things that you have done in order to get here to our country. And then verse twelve: The Lord recompense thy work and. A full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Wow. What, what do you think he's doing in his, in his approach to Ruth that is really winning her heart? Ladies, can you tell me? He's taking care of her. Why is that so attractive? We live in a culture, don't we, that's coarse and rude and unkind and we push one another around and here's a man who is truly, what is he doing? What is he doing for her? He's providing security and providing for her needs and she is responding to that. Often when we're very young and trying to press the young ladies, it's all about how much we can bench press or what? How fast our car is, so impressive to the ladies. What they really need is a man who will care for them, provide for them. And Boaz was kind of past that age where he had to have the fastest chariot (laughs) in Israel. And I often uh, recall the meetings. In fact, we've talked, when I was younger, we talked about meeting um, the girl's dad for the first time. And asking the question, in fact, on the farm community where I grew up, um, we were in the kind of that stage and age where as we were beginning to examine or, or evaluate who we would date, it was the same period of time where Bill Gothard was doing his seminars. And he was encouraging us to ask permission from the, the, the girl's father to date her. And so that was kind of a novel concept in our school and so one of the guys said, I think that's a great idea. So he went and knocked on this burly overalls, you know, he knocked on his father's door and said, hey, he said, sir, I'm so-and-so and I'm, I go to Berean Academy and I kind of like your daughter. And then would it be okay if, 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 I, if I date her? To which this big burly calloused hands looked at the boy. So why are you asking me? She's right in here. <laughs> he didn't get that. I think most dads appreciate it, but I I remember some of these meetings, right? And it wasn't always, it's tense. I remember the first interview I had with Garrett. I'm telling you, um, it was rough for both of us. I, I had a questionnaire for him. Son, I don't know what you are, who you are, why you are, and what you want with my daughter, but you're dating my precious girl. And we got some rules here. She must be in by nine. You're not to touch her. Do you understand me, soldier? Guys, you may not believe this, but you are you will win the trust of that little girl and her father when you learn to respect her virtue and her virginity, her honor, her purity, her family name, her character and reputation. She is never to be a piece of meat that you paw on. She's a precious treasure for you to protect. And that is what's happening here. Boaz is providing for her this this. Force field of protection. And dads, help your daughters to understand this. I don't care uh, if he can grow a mustache in high school. I don't care how big his biceps are, how good he looks in a letter jacket, how fast he can run the 440. If he is not the kind of man that can protect you and provide for you, leave him alone. Oh, how sweet it is in the heart of a woman to know that there's a man that's mature enough to understand, I've got to carry... The responsibility of security, providing for. Well, there is a, another great quality we must take a look at, and we find it uh, especially in uh, some of the verses that we see about this fellow. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 4. Not only is he spiritually mature, stable, he's providing security. He is a sensitive guy. Now, I use that word carefully. Uh, he's not Twinky. I'm not saying that he's not lightened loafers, but listen to how he speaks. Chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. Now remember, he's a tough farmer guy. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. What else? Verse 13, chapter 2. What is it that he's saying? How is he speaking? Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me. For thou hast spoken friendly unto thy handmaid, though I be not like one of thine own handmaidens. You know that little phrase, thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, in the Hebrew means you have spoken to my heart. You have spoken directly as a friend would to my own heart. You've spoken my heart language. Here's a man who's, by every measure, a man. He's a man's man. He's a farmer. He's strong. He's wealthy spiritually, and yet he speaks kindly. He spoke friendly. So, you know, you could have a long list of things that builds romance in a marriage, but man, can I say this? That if you're rough and coarse and rude and ugly, it doesn't help in your home. Here's a man who was sensitive in how he spoke kindly, He won her heart by his kindness. Well, ladies, we saw that a great characteristic is loyalty. Would you please add quickly, just I'm out of time, but would you add the idea of diligence? You say, uh, how does that build romance? Well, it is impressive to a man, and we've heard this from you all tonight. There's this spirit of diligence in the life of Ruth. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. We spent a lot of time in chapter 2, but... I've underlined these things. I've got a brand new Bible, picked it up. A week, but I'm starting to underline. Chapter 2, verse 2, Ruth said to her mother-in-law, let me go glean, let me go work in the field. Look at verse 7. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather. Let me go work after the reapers. And then verse 12, of course, Boaz speaking, Lord, recompense thy many excursions to the mall. <laughs> no, the Lord recompense thy work. And then you turn the page, or keep looking down, verse 13, uh, excuse me, verse 17, she gleaned in the field till evening. And then she took that and beat it all out, uh, separated the holes from the grain. And th- then verse 18, she, uh, her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. Verse 19, where hast thou gleaned today? Where did you work? Or wroughtest thou? That means where, where would you work today? So many references to Ruth's willingness to work. What a blessing that is to a man to have a uh, a wife that uh, that really likes to work hard, and we see Proverbs thirty one speak of speaks of the industrious woman woman who's organized, creative, hardworking, priority on her home yet ability to work. So she honored God, she honored Naomi, and uh, she honored Boaz. That's the last point. So, so we have three for the gals and three for the men. Ruth not only was loyal, diligent. She was respectful. She was respectful. Chapter 1, verse 16, let me go with you. I respect and honor your God. To um, Naomi, she did that. And, and then to Ruth, she, she, she honored him in, his, in her speech. Let me she says to him, verse 13 of chapter 2, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord. That's a, that's, and I love the fact that here in the south, we say things like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I think that's a wonderful thing when it comes from the heart, a sense of respect for those around us. And so she had this great a sense of honor for others. And so she honored Boaz. I, I think there's a tremendous blessing in, 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 in this opportunity that we have as husbands and wives and even helping our children as they look for husbands and wives to really set forth this idea that romance is built not on looks but on character true love is based on character qualities i was reading a story and i heard i guess i heard him actually tell this story jay kester dr kester was a president of taylor university in upland indiana a Christian college for a number of years. He's now, I think, emeritus. But uh, anyway, he tells a story about a youth. He was actually president of Youth for Christ for a while uh, in the 80s. But he says, a, he relates a story about a young lady that came to a youth conference that he was holding. And after the sermon, after the challenge, the session, she came, came forward and he had one of the counselors that was there come and sit beside her and that and was up here in the front of the church and he noticed that there were some tears coming down her cheeks and, and so the counselor, he, he noticed this out of the corner of his eye, came to him and said, Dr. Kessler, this one is out of my league. This, this, this girl needs to talk to you. He says, I don't think I'm qualified to talk to her. And So he went down, sat beside her and immediately noticed that her wrists were all scarred up. Uh, from where she had at least attempted to take her life, or at least attempted to be noticed in desperation. And so he wisely asked her young lady, how come it is that a, a girl that's attractive and smart and young would do such a thing? He pointed at her wrists, and and she began to pour her heart out a story of years and years of abuse by her daddy. It was brutal and ugly and um, a little bit protracted and long and he sat there patiently and listened to this and then all of a sudden she changes directions and she says, she points at a young man who was milling around toward the side of the building at the end of the service and she looked at, looked at and pointed at that, that young man over there and she said, Dr. Kessler, do you think that guy right over there is a Christian? Huh. Well, Dr. Kessler was kind of, where's this going? You know, what's going on here? And he he knew who he was. It was a youth pastor there with his wife, and he said, "Well, dear, I I I think he is. <laughs> he's a youth pastor here with his youth group. Why, why do you ask that?" And she said, "Well, I've been noticing him." And he goes, "Great. You know, he's thinking to him, he said, What's where's this going.'" And she said, "I watched him in the parking lot through the window of the church. I, he didn't know I was watching him, and I saw him walk around." And, he, and she said, "I don't know that I've ever seen this, where she took the door. He took the door and opened it for his wife, and and then then she said, and i I've, I've been noticing him here at lunchtime." He was in line with his wife. That's his wife, right? <laughs> yeah. And r- right in line, I saw him reach over and kiss her on the cheek. And she says, is that okay in church? Dr. Kessler said, well, young lady, they're married and I think it's okay. And, and she said, and, and, sh- and he hugged her right in church. And then she said that must mean that not every dad is like my dad. Huh. And she said it must mean that not every man is like my father. And Dr. Kessler if that guy over there Is a Christian? Could I be a Christian too? You see, the love of God is demonstrated not just in how we preach, but in how we live. If people saw my life and got inside my marriage, would they want the God that I profess? What a great question that is for us. It's based on our reflection because Boaz is simply a reflection of the heart of God for his own people and not only his own people, but for the outsiders, the strangers. Father, I do pray that that not just on one day a year, Valentine's Day, but every day that we will reflect the extravagant, extreme love of a God who loves strangers, who loves the unlovely, and draws us in and makes us part of your family. Thank you for the long arm of the love of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.